So, uh, in light of what we're talking about now, today, I have a big burden on my heart for this year. My passion is that we would go into this year with intentionality, with purpose, with drive, and most importantly, with God's blessing and God's wisdom to know what we should do, how we should do it, and what we're going to do moving forward. And one of the most dangerous things, I really believe this with all my heart, the hardest thing was not starting a church. The hardest thing is keeping it going. The hardest thing isn't to get excited for something new. The hardest thing is to stay zealous for something you're used to. The most dangerous time in the life of this church wasn't when we started. It's now. It's now. And the question for us is whether we can not only keep up the momentum, but keep pressing forward to not be satisfied with what God has already done and so to speak, settle into our seats, but have that same kind of zeal, that same kind of tip of my toes, edge of my seat. If I don't buy into this, then who knows what will happen kind of vibe. So the danger for us now is, hey, we've raised some money, praise God. There's people in seats, praise God. The lighthouses are working. The systems are going. Things aren't perfect by any means, but things work. And that's something to praise God for. That's his grace that things work and that this is a healthy, stable church that can bless others uh, and raise money like that to bless other people. And so we're excited about that. But my heart really wants for us to press forward. So with that in mind, we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. You have a booklet in your thing. Uh, and on your seat, not in your thing, you have a booklet on your seat, uh, I could have sworn I grabbed one from my seat, maybe not, but um, you have a booklet there, here it is, uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and it starts today, and it goes through January 25th, so what we have here, uh, in the opening, you have an introduction to what we're doing, and then you have a few ways you can fast, so to give you some ideas, there's an article by Desiring God uh, that tells you why we should fast. And then every day there's a devotional that's both from the Word, but also for our church and for our city, and it's written by the people around you, which I think is the coolest thing. Uh, this body wrote this book. This isn't just written by your pastors or anything like that. Uh, they wrote this book, and so this is your peers, your brothers and sisters in Jesus, uh, investing in the life of the church, using uh, the brick God has given them uh, to write this and to be, participate in God's mission. So here's this. I don't really care if you have something you're doing every day already. I want you to add this to it and be intentional because we need to be on the same page. I pressed this a lot in the beginning. I want to say it again over and over again. We need to be on the same page. How we are doing is more important than where we are going. How we are doing will determine where we go and what we're like when we get there. So we have to stay on the same page. So even if you already have a plan you're working through, great. Add this to it. It won't take much extra time. But we want you to, with your lighthouses, or if you're not involved in one of those, we'd love to get you involved in one of those, uh, or even on your own, or with your spouse, or whatever. During these 21 days, we ask that you would intentionally seek the Lord, pick a way to fast. There's many different ways, ideas we've given you. A way to sacrifice, to give something up, and to offer your life back to the Lord during these 21 days, to really seek Him. The Bible says, if we seek Him with our whole heart, we will find Him. And so that's our goal is we want to give the Lord our whole heart these 21 days. We really want to seek the Lord. Uh, Taylor said something really good last week. Was um, The question isn't, uh, uh, he said, what we should do is not move forward and ask God to bless our plans, but we should ask the Lord, what's the plan? And so it's really easy for people like me especially just to be like, this is what we should do, boom, 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 boom. And like, this is a good thing, Lord bless it. And it really works the other way around to say, Lord, we have some ideas, some whatever, but Lord, what should we do? What do you want us to do? So we want to do that as a church. I think you should do that as a family. You should do that as an individual. I really ask the Lord, like, what does this year look like? What do you want me to do? 
So be intentional with that. These 21 days are going to be a real intentional effort for us. On January 25th, we're going to have a 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. all-day prayer event where we gather together uh, to sing, to pray, to hear the word, and to really immerse ourselves in that moment as a, as a, uh, a final kind of word on the 21 days of prayer and fasting. So if you can join us, mark your calendar. We're still working on a location, but January 25th, we're going to be praying all day. January 26th, we're going to... Uh, Fine, we're going to, uh, what's the word, like, uh, I lost the word. We're going to celebrate uh, the prayer and fasting uh, with baptism. So if you're interested in being baptized, January 26th, 1.30 p.m., just like we did last time, we're going to go over to Providence Rec Center. We're going to praise Jesus in public while people are swimming and watching. It's going to be fantastic. So join us on the 26th. If you want to be baptized, please email info at wearecitylight.org, and we would love to walk you through that process. So in light of all this, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. So go ahead and open your Bible. The question for us today, and for these 21 days, is how can I present my life to the Lord as a living sacrifice this year? How can I present my life to the Lord as a living sacrifice this year? Once again, as I spoke about the danger, the danger of us kind of working things out and you know having systems go and whatever, is that we settle into a routine and we just begin to go through the motions that are good habits, but we don't intentionally ask the question, Lord, what is it you want me to lay down? What is it that you want me to sacrifice? How can I not just go through the motions, but present my life as a living sacrifice to the Lord? To settle in is the human default. It's going to take intentionality to press forward. So that's the question each one of us must answer, both as a church and as individuals and as families and as groups, as lighthouses. How can we present our lives to the Lord as a living sacrifice? You should write that in your book or something. You need to answer that question. These 21 days, most of it is meant for you to answer that question and then live accordingly for 2020. So Romans 12, let's, let's jump in. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's the line. We need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Today, to help you nail that down and clarify more what that looks like, we're going to answer the why, the what, and the how. Why would I do that? What does it mean? And how do I do that? To help you really put this into practice. So what I want you to think through, though, we're going to have this here the whole time. This is very important for us uh, for today and as we kind of talk about this. And you should write this down. This is the truth that we're going to see that kind of helps us navigate this is that what you soak in will sink in. What you soak in will sink in. And what sinks in will be what seeps out. Okay, you got me to say that again. You should write this down. What you soak in will sink in. It will become who you are. Who you are, what you sink, what sinks in will seep out. It will be what you do. Now, here's the thing. This is why this is so important. This is foundational to being a living sacrifice. It's you can't sacrifice something that you don't know you own, that you don't have a deep conviction about. Your level of sacrifice will only go to the extent of your deepest conviction. 
your deepest conviction will give your sacrifice. So you can sit here, and maybe you're super wealthy. You say, I'm going to give more money this year. But that means nothing because it costs you nothing. And it looks like a sacrifice to others. It means nothing to you. It came from no deep conviction. Because what you've been soaking in hasn't gotten you mature and deep enough to pull out from that and to really give something up. What you soak in will sink in. And what sinks in is what seeps out. This is true, and this is why this fasting is so important. Because you and I, and we're going to talk about this as we go throughout this, you and I are soaking in, sinking in, all sorts of things that aren't helping us, and we're becoming the things that we're soaking in and sinking in. We're becoming what the world tells us we should be, as opposed to letting the Word do that. So you basically have two choices every day to soak yourself. Whether you can soak yourself in the world, or soak yourself in the Word. And I want you to see as we go throughout this, how dramatically little we give to this, how much we give to this, but how much we expect to pull from this. I give very little to being soaked in this, but I expect to seep this out. And when this seeps out, I'm surprised. And so what I want us to see all throughout this is what you soak in will sink in. What sinks in will seep out. So that's why these 21 days, I hope it's crazy intense for you. I hope it develops new habits to help you soak in the presence of the Lord, in the Word of God, in the service to God, for that to be your primary thing. That's sinking in deep into your heart. And from there, from there, you will sacrifice. But not from anywhere else. What you sacrifice will cost you nothing unless you're deeply convinced about it. So, let's do this and we'll come back and forth to that. The first reason, why? Why should I present my life as a living sacrifice? Well, the Bible says it clear. I appeal to you by the mercies of God. So the reason, the why, is mercy. The why is mercy. Why should I give my life over to the Lord that way? Why should I sacrifice? Well, because God has been merciful to you. Let me show you in this book how Paul is building this up. How has Paul already in Romans showed you that God's merciful? Here it is. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's a problem. Romans 6.23, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So you and I have sinned, we have fallen short of God's glory, we deserve, we have earned death. But in God's mercy, he has chosen to give us eternal life. How does he do that? Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I deserve wrath and sin and death. Instead of sin and death, I get eternal life. How does that happen? Not because of anything I did, but because Jesus was merciful to me. Because Jesus died while I was still a sinner. So if you're in this room and you're like, man, God would never do anything for me. I'm too dirty, too sinful, too wicked. Well, join the club. Okay? God died for you at your very worst moment. This is the whole point. The apex of your sin. The worst thing you could think about. The thing you were so ashamed of. God died for that. And everything else. So, God reveals his mercy by dying for us in Jesus. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart. Let God raise him from the dead, you'll be saved. Meaning, the only thing you have to do to receive eternal life instead of eternal death is confess and believe in Jesus. <laughs> That's it. There's not step one, two, three, and four. That's not, you've got to get better, work harder, do better, be more religious. That's it. You believe in Jesus. He's already done the work for you. That's really good news. That's a whole lot of mercy. And it gets better. Romans 8, 38 through 39. I'm sure... 
that neither death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to, say it with me, separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So now I have received abundant mercy and eternal life. And can I ever lose it? No. No. Nothing. No circumstances, no trouble, no pain, no health issues, no family drama. Nothing. Nothing can separate me from God's love. In Christ Jesus, if I'm in Christ. So this is the mercy that Paul is describing. And then in Romans 12, he says, because of all of that, in light of all of that, because of how outrageously good God has been to you, therefore, present your life as a living sacrifice. It's the very least you could do because of God's mercy. So, write this down. God's mercy is the motivation. This is very important. God's mercy is the motivation. If anything other than God's mercy is your motivation, hear me, you will not have the strength you need to sustain your service to him. If anything other than God's mercy is your motivation, you will not have the strength you need to sustain your service. Serving the Lord is hard. It revolves taking up your cross, and we get so much in return, praise God, but you need strength to sustain your service. This church needs strength to continue to press forward. And you and I will not have it unless God's mercy is our motivation. If anything other than God's mercy is your motivation, get this one, you will not have the wonder you need to lift up your worship. Your worship will be small. It'll be people-pleasing. It'll be all sorts of things. It won't be free. And it won't be lifted up. Why? Because God's mercy hasn't captivated you. When we're singing songs about God's mercy, it sounds like a nice fact you enjoy, not something you're just amazed by. Without God's mercy, you won't have the wonder, the awe that you need to set you free to worship Him. Both in our gatherings and everywhere you go, with your life and with your, with your lips, with everything, you won't have what you need. If anything other than God's mercy is your motivation, this is very important, some of you are already there, you will burn out and break down instead of burning bright and building up. If God's mercy is not your motivation, and I experience this so much when I like get so caught up in other things, and I'm even doing good Christian things, you know, but God's mercy isn't my motivation. So in the middle of my action, as opposed to burning bright and getting brighter and building people up, I've been running, doing religious things, and I'm breaking down. Why is that? Well, it's because God's mercy wasn't my motivation. Some of you, this is the answer to why you're so frustrated already. You've been serving, but God's mercy hasn't been driving you. And now you're burning down, you're breaking up, instead of burning bright and building up. God's mercy is the only thing that can sustain your service. God's mercy can give you motivation. So what's your motivation? Think about it. What's your motivation for the things that you do? What's your why? Why do you do what you do? Not just in church, just in life. What drives you? What are you pulling from? What's motivating you? What's the fuel for your life? What are you running on? The other day, I ran out of gas for the very first time in my life. I had never run out of gas before in my life. Never. And I was pulling into my street. And I had to get to a meeting. And I had to leave soon. I had to run by my house. And I was going up the road. And all of a sudden, it was like, you know, who's running out of gas? Who knows the feeling? 
I pride myself in not doing dumb things like that, and then I did it. So, you know, God's just like, you need to be humble, okay? So, I ran out of gas, almost home, and the car just, and I have no idea what's happening. My car is breaking down, and I'm like, what is happening? I don't understand this. Why is, you know? And I'm looking around, looking for check engine light, and then I, it just stops, and I realize, oh, I literally have no gas. I had totally forgotten that I needed to get gas. In my preoccupation with so many other things, I forgot the main thing, the thing that would allow me to keep running, I ignored, and everything else took my attention. Therefore, I broke down. I don't even think I need to say anything else after that. Y'all already got the point. What's your motivation? What is preoccupying you? What are you running on? Are you running on religious guilt? That you need to do something to be somebody, to please somebody, to look the part? Are you running on someone else's faith? Your parents' faith cannot sustain your service. You will break down. What are you running on today? Are you running on a list of rules you're trying to follow? Are you running on your own strength? Every day, just trying to do what you can do to be the best that you can be. And you wonder why you ended the new year like... And I'm here to tell you exactly why. It's because God's mercy hasn't been your motivation. You're not allowing God's mercy to fuel your life. And you're breaking down instead of building up. So how do we answer this first question? How do we have this be our motivating factor? How do I leave from here... And have God's mercy increase in its effectiveness in my life? Well, here's a little answer for you. Deeper appreciation for God's mercy comes through deep meditation on God's word. So, deeper appreciation for God's mercy comes through deep meditation on God's word and work. Get this. Appreciation is a byproduct of meditation. Meditation increases your appreciation... Which increases your motivation. So if all you do is hurry from one thing to the next, you have not allowed the time to sink in. This is what you do. You have your life, which is a sponge. You think God's mercy is great? You look on your app for one minute in the morning, and you get a little bit of this, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, 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 this is great. And then you go, and you scroll through Instagram for an hour, and you do a little bit of this, and then you try to get a little bit more God's mercy, boom, and then you come back here, and all day you forget. You don't even think about the Lord. You get your podcast in, you're listening to things, people are talking to you. You're not even preaching to yourself. Or you don't need me sitting there next to you. You should do the right thing. No, no, no. You can preach to yourself God's word. You can remind yourself of God's word. And now you're soaking all day. And this is what you have to offer. This is what's motivating you. This is what's who you are. And at the end of the day, maybe you try to grab a little bit of this. But what happens is this is what you're pouring out. Because God's mercy hasn't been your motivation. You thought one minute to think about it would get you there, but you didn't think about how the other 23 hours and 59 minutes you've been soaking in what the world has to say to you. Be your best self. Try harder. You can be anything you want to be. Work harder. Y'all seen that Lamar Jackson shirt? Nobody cares. Work harder. That's a really fun shirt. But that's what we live by, right? Do more. Be more productive. Hurry, 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 hurry. And you've been soaking that in all day. And you try to get a little bit of God's mercy, and it's not fueling you. And you know what you can't live on? 
Kool-Aid. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. What you soak in, say it with me, will sink in. What sinks in will seep out. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Amen. I didn't even think about that one. You want to finish the sermon? That was good. That was good. That was good. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Damn. That was deep. I got, I got, I got nothing better than that. No, I got nothing better than that. So, yes and amen. Hey, don't spectate. Participate. Thank you very much. That was fantastic. All right. All right. So that's the wine. That's the wine. The wine is God's mercy. The second thing, the what? What do we do? Well, we worship. The what is worship. The why is mercy. The what is worship. Because worship is not just what we do with our lips, but with our lives. Worship is not singing a song alone, which of course it is, but it's living a life unto God. We worship with our whole lives. That's the what. What does it look like to be a living sacrifice? My whole life is worship. So let me break this down a little bit for you. I think this is super helpful. I want you to see the intentionality in these words. We, I want you to circle these words. Present, circle that word, present. What do we present? Our bodies, circle that word, or those two words. What do we present them? As a sacrifice, circle those words, to who? To God. Every single phrase here is super intentional. Super intentional for us. So I'm going to go through these four phrases. First of all, we present. We present means, hey, we, we offer something up. We put something in our hands, you know, here's my phone, you can have it. I present this to you. That's what it means to present. It's to put something in my hands, to be intentional, to have something and give it over, to show it, to present it. And you know, you and I, we've all seen unintentional presentations. We've all seen presentations that haven't been prepared. I've never done that a day in my life. I was a communications major in college. Surprise, surprise. I actually wasn't a Bible major. Everybody thinks that. I was a communications major, advertising, public relations. It was fun because you didn't have to do any work. And it was great. All you had to do was be good at talking. And I could do that. So, every day, literally, there's people in comms majors that should not be there. They're very bad at it. And if you're bad and lazy, then it's just really bad. You know, some people are lazy, but they're just, they're the bomb. They just do it. Some people are bad and lazy. And every day, every day, I saw presentations that were terrible. The worst. Like, you should just walk out of this class and go be something else. This is not it for you. This is bad. You should stop doing this. This is not good. You can't be super nervous. You're in a comms major, all right? Just like, that's cool if you're nervous. Everybody hates public speaking. Just pick a different major. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be nervous. We're in a comms class, all right? So anyways, whatever. I had a lot of those feelings. And we would have these bad presentations because they didn't prepare. They didn't put any effort into it. And even the ones that were good at it naturally, it's not as good as if they would have prepared it. Or you think about it this way. This might be more relatable. We all have somebody in our family that's a really bad gift giver. 
Who, who's that? Who's that in your family? I'm going to confess. It's me. It's me. I'm the one that's a bad gift giver in my family. Uh, growing up, it was my cousin. His name was Alan. Uh, my parents were laughing about that on the front row. He was a terrible gift giver. He used to like give me an extra, extra large white shirt for Christmas. I'm like, I'm seven, bro. Like, what is that? You know? It didn't make any sense. But anyways, I have picked a little bit of that up. I once gave my dad a used gift card that had about $15 left on it. And I thought, 15 is more than zero. I would appreciate that, you know? But I, I have got ragged on that to this day. I have tried. I'm a firm believer that Christmas is for children, okay? Not the Jesus part. That's for everybody. The gift giving is for children. It's like, I have a job. You're going to spend $20 on me so I can spend $20 on you. We both have normal jobs. Why are we doing this? I can buy that, okay? Like, you're not, if you were like a rich, I'm going, you're buying me a car? Cool, let's change gifts. But if all we're going to do is spend the same amount of money on each other, that's like, this doesn't make any sense to me. So I have, I have tried for years. Is anybody with me? Do I have anybody? Thank you. Y'all should, should come to my house for Thanksgiving or Christmas for Christmas. That would be great. I have tried for years to revolutionize my families, and neither has done it. They won't listen to me at all, and it's just a cross that I bear. And my wife does all, my wife does all the gift buying anyway. So. But we've all seen somebody give a present that had no preparation in it. We've all seen somebody give by somebody something that cost them nothing, like a used gift card. We've all seen somebody present something that had nothing behind it. And why is it that we're okay with doing the same with the Lord? We're so easy to present something that has nothing prepared in it. Present something that has nothing behind it. Present something that costs us nothing. You know, in the Old Testament, we learned that for every sacrifice, there were steps of preparation. There was a way that you should choose the animal and get it ready. Nobody just picked up old Charlie Lamb and walked into the, the temple and like kicked him over and was like, here's my sacrifice. No, you would die for doing that. There was intentionality. There was preparation, and it was life and death type of seriousness. But how much of our life do we present to God without preparation? You cannot present, or the better word probably you should not because you can do this, but you should not present without preparation, and you can't prepare without intentional decisions. You should not, hear me, present something to God without preparation. And you cannot prepare unless you intentionally decide to do so. Let me give you some other scriptures to talk about this. Romans 6, 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for righteousness, unrighteousness, but present, right? Give your arms, your feet, your legs, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, Give your body over to the Lord, present it to him as an instrument for righteousness, as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. 1 Peter 2.5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. To offer, to present spiritual sacrifices I like a commentary I read, said it this way. Believers are exhorted to make a decisive dedication of themselves. As worshipers, stepping forward to place their offerings on the altar, holiness of life, please hear this sentence, rarely progresses apart from deliberate acts of the will. You do not stumble in to a greater knowledge of Jesus. 
You do not accidentally become more holy. You do not stumble in to a greater awareness of God's presence and work. You do not accidentally become more bold. None of these things happen by accident. They take intentional decisions. What are you presenting to the Lord and have you prepared it? Are you trying to present something without preparation? Second thing, we not only present, we present our bodies. So, this gives us a good picture of the Old Testament once again. When you sacrifice the body of an animal, that doesn't mean you just gave the body. It means you gave its whole life. To sacrifice the body, Old Testament terminology here, to sacrifice the body of an animal was to sacrifice its life, was to give your whole life to it. Which means we cannot present just part of us. We cannot give part of what we have. We give our whole bodies to the Lord, our whole future, our whole job, our whole family, our whole day, our whole bank account, everything. Sacrificing to the Lord, get this, is not about 10% of your income, but 100% of your life. And sometimes for some of you, because money is not a problem, 10% of your income is a cop-out so that you don't have to give up the rest of your life. 10% of your income to 100% of your life. True worship, get this, is your whole self to God. It is an offering. I give my whole self, my time, my energy, my resources, my body, everything. I offer it to the Lord. I put it on the altar and I say, Lord, have your way. Do with it what you will. This is my offering to you. And if we had enough money, I would have built an altar and been laying on it right now because that would help you understand. But we don't. So I didn't do that. But that's the picture I want to give you. You put your whole life as an offering unto the Lord. Get this. Some of our difficulty in living the Christian life is that we try to present in part and we expect whole results. This is so important. We try to hold back some from the Lord, but we expect full deliverance. We try to keep some old habits, but we expect radical life change. We try to give a little part of what we have, but we expect God's full blessing. We give a little part of our time, but we expect a full experience of his presence. We do this with what we have, right? And we expect more than that. We give God a little, and we expect this whole sponge to be full. And I give God one minute, two minutes, three minutes, and I'm expecting a full soak. We try to give in part and expect in whole, and we get frustrated with God when the fault lies with us. This is true throughout the Bible. So many times he says, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. If you take up your cross and lay down your whole life, you will save me. We cannot give in part and expect whole results. We cannot give God a part of our life and expect full life change. And I'm telling you, this is probably the problem for most of us in the room, is that we have given God a part, and we have expected whole results, and that doesn't work. Now, God is super gracious, and he is amazing, and he takes our two fish and five loaves and our little offering, and he uses it. But throughout the word, it's so clear that if you see me with your whole heart, the more you give unto God, the more is received in return to be able to live for him and to become more like him. You do not earn your way into heaven. No way. God takes the little part of you, but you don't get into heaven by giving a little part of you to God. 
You don't get into heaven by giving your Sundays to God. You don't get into heaven by giving 10% of your money to God. You get into heaven by giving your whole life. You are, you are mine. I'm yours. My whole life is yours. That's how you get into heaven. The same way we live every day, it's not that we earn it or deserve it, but we need to give our whole selves to God. We give in part, we expect full results, and we're frustrated, we're burning out, and we're breaking down. Because what you soak in will sink in. What sinks in will seep out. And if you're not soaking in the Lord and His Word and His presence and His work, you're going to be soaking in something else. And it's not going to return the benefit to you that you wanted. And what will seep out of you is frustration, anger, and disappointment instead of love, joy, and peace and kindness. So we cannot give in part and expect whole results. I really, that point is for some of you, like I said, that's what you came here for. Third, we present our bodies as a sacrifice. So how do we present? We present our bodies as a sacrifice. We've already touched on this. To some degree, I want to emphasize it more and more. To sacrifice is to suffer. If it costs you nothing, it's not a sacrifice. You understand? To sacrifice is to go without. It is to lack. It is to suffer. If it doesn't involve some lack, some form of suffering, it is not a sacrifice. And some of us, we can give in part because it requires nothing from us. And I want you to hear from me that a sacrifice is what the Lord has asked for. And a sacrifice involves suffering. A sacrifice is when you give up time you'd rather be sleeping so you can set up service so others can meet with the Lord. Thank you guys to those of you who do that. A sacrifice is when you open up your home to company, when you don't feel like cleaning up and you don't feel like socializing. And you let people in anyways into your life. The all lighthouse house leaders, you know how that is sometimes. Thank you for your sacrifice. A sacrifice... It's when you help build a church and you aren't guaranteed a paycheck. Thank you to the people who have given their full-time effort to this with no promise in return. A sacrifice is when you enter into a spiritual conversation when it would be a lot easier just to shoot the breeze at work. A sacrifice is when you give financially in a way that requires less Amazon and less Starbucks and more contentment with the basic things that you need. When you give and you have to actually trust God to provide. These are sacrifices, and many more. David in 2 Samuel 24, 24 said, uh, so he wanted to buy a field, and the guy offered him for free. This is what he said in return. No, I insist on paying you for it. Get this. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. <clears throat> so the question for us, this is serious, is what is your commitment to Christ costing you? What is it costing you? What is your commitment to Christ requiring you to lean up? What's it costing you? Is it costing you anything? Listen, your baseline for 2020 is not to avoid moral disaster and to show up at church three out of every four Sundays. Your baseline is sacrificing my life. That's the goal for us. So you need to ask yourself, how can I make intentional decisions to prepare and present to God an offering that costs me something? What is, what is it the Lord saying in your heart already right now? What is it that you need to prepare and decide and press into and offer back? What is it that costs you something? Finally, we present our bodies to, to, to the Lord. 
We present our bodies as a sacrifice, the final thing to the Lord. We do not present our bodies to the church, to a leader in the church, to your boss, family, or friends. We present our bodies to the Lord. We live for him. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, we make it our aim to please the Lord. That's it. And my wife and I talk about this a lot at home, different things going on, different, you know, juggling a lot of balls. And we have to come back to this little place where it says, I have one person to please. Make it my aim to please the Lord. Now, that's going to require, obviously, giving my life to others around me. I can't please the Lord by being a jerk to my wife. Of course not. But at the end of the day, the person I'm presenting my life to is not my wife. It's the Lord. What I do for her is an offering should be unto the Lord. Or how I serve in the church should not be so you think I'm a great pastor. It should be unto the Lord so that he's honored and pleased. God knows my heart. He's the only one. And so I live my life should to please the Lord. You sacrifice your body to the Lord. Get this. If we don't intentionally give our lives to the Lord, we will unintentionally give them to someone else. If we do not intentionally give our lives to the Lord, I'm going to unintentionally give it to someone else. Somebody has your life. You are living for somebody, for something, and it's altering you and changing you and forcing you to wear your soap, and you're choosing every day. Who am I living to please? And if I live to please the Lord, then I prioritize this, and I soak in here. But if I'm living to please the world or anybody around me, I'm going to find that I spend most of my time soaking in here. And this is going to be what becomes me. This is who I will become, even though I love this and want to be this. If you don't intentionally give your life to the Lord, you will unintentionally give it to someone else. And some of you are struggling for this reason. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're always trying to prove something. You always have a chip on your shoulder. You're always trying to present your best self. Always trying to get the approval of people around you, whether it's a boss, a spouse, a friend group, an Instagram following. Your whole life is full of anxiety because you're putting so much effort in pleasing and presenting yourself to someone else. You are working out your sacrifice. You are preparing something. You are working hard. You are putting in effort and time and energy all to give something to someone who doesn't really care. To give something to someone who may care but can't hold it. Who's not God. Who can't take your offering. You're preparing and you're working and you're striving and you're struggling to give something to someone who doesn't deserve it, can't use it, and will just give it away. You're seeking to please so many other people, and it's made you a slave. And you have forgotten that you present your life, your hours, your days, your minutes to the Lord. That's it. You have one person to please. One. One. And you're never going to disrespect your boss and please the Lord. You see what I'm saying? So you're going to please your boss when you're living unto the Lord. Unless they hate you for being a Christian or something. There might be things like that. But I'm saying you have one person. One person. So just rest. Get this. All the people you have been working to prove yourself to don't really love you like God. God is the only one who died for you and rose again. God is the only one who accepted you as you were and is making you into what you are. God is the only one who approves of you because of your relationship to Jesus. God is the only one you have nothing to prove anything to. Nothing. And so instead of striving so hard after all these things, you sacrifice, but you sacrifice, get this, from a place of rest. You sacrifice from a place of ease, from a place of trust, from a place of contentment, because I have one offering to make. 
to one person. And that's it. And I give it to the Lord. And some of you need to switch where you're giving your offering this year and seek to please the Lord. Present your life to God. Remember our core value, number one. We are all about Jesus. He is our priority and our message. So what is all this called? This is called, as the Bible says here, spiritual worship. The majority of your spiritual worship, get this, is created by physical decisions. You want to be spiritual? Use your body to serve your wife. You want to be spiritual? Take your money and give it away. You want to be spiritual? Use physical things to make spiritual differences. Most of your life and your spiritual worship is created by your physical decisions. Do I get up early enough to spend time with God's Word and sacrifice what my body wants in terms of sleep? That is a physical decision that has spiritual implications. And most of your life, you're looking for this like worship moment. You come to Sunday to get some hot. And I'm telling you, all your physical decisions that you're making throughout the week can either build you up into something, right? You're doing this every day where you wake up a little earlier this time and you soak it in. And then you do a little bit more later and you're soaking it in. And all of a sudden, later in the day, you have something to offer. Somebody needs something. You're full of God's presence and you can pour it into their life as opposed to just soaking in a little bit and then soaking in a lot. And that's what the Lord wants for you is to really soak in Him so that that sinks into who you are and that can seep out. You soak in the word, not just by reading the word, but obeying the word. Your soaking isn't just some time with coffee at your table, some meditative, you know, I have four kids. That like doesn't exist unless I wake up at four in the morning, which I don't always do. You know, I, I, I would like to, but that's not happening at my house. And you know what I'm saying? So you're soaking in the word is your obedience to the word. Whether you're living it out, you can soak in it without having to like meditate on some verse, which you should do. <coughs> but I want you to see that your whole life and what you're soaking in can be made up of physical decisions. When I decide to serve someone instead of my own self-interest, I'm soaking in the word. And God's filling me up. And that was a physical decision. And I didn't read the Bible just before I made it. You see what I'm saying? So all day, when you choose to, to extend kindness to a co-worker who's being rude, what are you doing? You're choosing to soak. And what's going to happen? Kindness is going to sink in. And what's going to seep out? More kindness. Because you're soaking. You're soaking in. What you soak in will sink in. What sinks in will seep out. Okay. Let's close this out. So how do we do this? The wise mercy, the how is worship. I mean, the what is worship? The how is transformation. You renew your mind. We're going to do this super fast. You see here it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So we have two things. How do you do this? The first is don't be conformed, which is what's going to happen by default. The second is be transformed, which only happens with intentionality. The only way you're going to be transformed this 21 days or this year is if you intentionally take your response, right, and you just begin to do this. Every day. You're just soaking it in. You're soaking it in through obedience to the word, through spending time in God's word. You're making a decision not to do this. Because to be honest, you live in here. So to get any of this requires you to jump out and get in. This is where you live automatically. This is where you came in probably to this morning. This is your natural habitat. By default, you will sink in what the world tells you. Unless you jump out and decide to intentionally transform and pursue the word. 
So that's what these 21 days are hopefully to set up for you to do. That's what we wanted to develop as a good habit for you is instead of soaking in the world 24-7, I intentionally make a decision to be transformed by getting in here. Now what happens to the sponge? It begins to get more and more and more of what it's sitting in. The more I give to the Lord, the more transformed I will be. The more time I give to the Lord, the more I will experience his presence. The more obedience I offer to the Lord, the more I'll experience his power. The more I give to the Lord, the more those things are going to happen. And I will be transformed. But you live here. You are being conformed every day. One of the things I used to teach interns was you're always being discipled. You need to look for a discipleship relationship. You need to look for the right one. You're always being discipled 24-7, all day, every day. And so you can choose now who is going to disciple you, where are you going to soak in, because what you soak in will sink in. What sinks in will seep out. Going back to this from the beginning, meditation increases appreciation, which increases motivation. If you want all these things to take root in your life, this is the way. Meditation increases appreciation, which increases motivation. Another way to say this is that what you feed is what will form you. Whatever you're feeding, that will form you. What you soak in, that's going to sink in. And we can only legitimately offer the Lord everything I just talked about as a real living sacrifice if we truly pursue transformation from Him. You will only sacrifice to the level of your deepest conviction. Alright, y'all say it with me to close this out. What we soak in, let's start over. Say it with me. What we soak in, we sink in. What sinks in, seeps out. Alright? So every day, all day, this is you. Boom, 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 boom. Come on, come on. This is you. Stay here. Stay here. Right? You wake up, you look at Instagram for 45 minutes. You know? And then you're like, well, let me get a little bit of that Bible app. You know? And you're like, what does Twitter have to say? You know? Like, oh, a little bit of that Bible app. You know? And then you're like, oh, what are my coworkers? I'm, you know? Let me hit that bar with them after. You know? And then you try to get a little bit of this, and it's like, man, I can't really can't really do much. You're like, Lord, I read the word. Why do I have no power? You know? So every day, let's make an intentional decision as a body of Christ to soak in the word, to soak in our obedience to the Lord. And may this time of prayer and fasting change you. Please don't end this 21 days just like you showed up today. That would be a mistake. And very sad. For you and for those around you. So let's soak in this together, these 21 days. Y'all good? Y'all ready to do that with me? Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that, first and foremost, you presented your life as a sacrifice to us. We thank you that in Jesus, you've done all that is needed for our salvation. And Lord, I just pray, I pray, Lord, I pray, I pray that this group of people, that each one of us would intentionally offer our lives back to the Lord. Lord, take our church, take our lives, take our resources, take our time. Lord, I pray, I pray that this would be a very spiritually significant 21 days. For this church and in the life of each individual, each family, Lord, teach us what it means to prepare an offering to you. And I pray that each person in here, because they're soaking in the word, would offer something back to you that costs them something. Would you do that spiritual reality in our hearts and our lives? In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen.